This is an RNZ podcast. After a six-month trial, the police commissioner is ending the use of armed response teams. It's a move welcomed by Māori and Pacifica communities who were disproportionately impacted. Alice Wilkins reports. That was Samantha Hayes on News Hub at 6 last Tuesday after the news that those controversial police armed response team trials recently won't be back. Police had previously said they'd wait until a full evaluation of this initiative had been done and it was due to be completed by the end of the month. But the new police commissioner didn't want to wait for that. I was clear from the outset that it wouldn't just be an evaluation that would answer this question. Uh, We've listened uh, to what communities have said, hence this decision. And it's a strange sort of trial which ends after six months, then another two months go by before it all comes to an end based on the public response, with the full evaluation of it yet to see the light of day. Police Commissioner Andrew Costa also said the main reason for his decision this week was that the armed response teams didn't align with the style of policing New Zealanders expect. On TVNZ One News last Tuesday, reporter May Heron wrapped up her report like this. The debate over New Zealand's police being an armed force, over for now. But it turned out the debate over police and weapons was far from over. Top stories this morning. Opposition grows against any suggestion police should use non-lethal sponge bullets against violent offenders. The National Party is distancing itself from the controversial Strike Force Raptor proposal that floated last year. But it was the Christchurch mosque atrocity which prompted police to start the armed response team trial in the first place. Brenton Tarrant had been arrested at gunpoint by officers who were armed because they happened to be returning from their firearms training. But another shocking story has changed the backdrop recently, the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis and the violent confrontations with heavily armed police that followed across the US. And when thousands of people marched here the weekend before last, many were actually protesting about arming our police, as TVNZ1 News pointed out that day. The Twitter hashtag ArmsDownNZ trending in New Zealand. An organiser telling One News the online campaign is about stopping any move here towards American-style militarised policing. It was set up last year following the police armed response team trial. Police are now evaluating that trial, but it's been criticised as flawed. It has indeed, but not always accurately, as Melissa Stokes went on to report. And Green MP Golrez Garaman has moved to correct a misleading tweet she made in response to George Floyd's death. She tweeted, Our police armed trial killed only Māori and Pacifica victims. But the police say no shots were fired during the six-month trial of armed response teams. A spokesperson for the Green Party told One News, Ms Garaman made the error when shortening a longer Facebook post. She's since clarified her tweet, saying she was referring to to police shootings during the trial period, not by the particular trial officers. And that's a pretty important distinction. And the fact that a clumsily worded social media message from the Greens' justice spokesperson featured in that same 6pm bulletin shows just how sensitive the issue of the armed response teams had become. The Police Association complained subsequently that to use the death of George Floyd to make claims about New Zealand police discrimination was offensive to officers who work in some of the most difficult, violent and fractured communities in our country. And the next day, reporters asked Police Minister Stuart Nash about racism in our police force like this. I think there is unconscious bias, and the previous police commissioner himself did acknowledge this, but I don't think there is. My personal view, from what I have seen, I do not believe there is institutional racism. 
And later on Monday, Associate Professor of Law at the Auckland University of Technology, Kylie Quince, told RNZ's checkpoint that the US was a different place and a different history, and she said, I wouldn't overplay any parallels with the US. But on that question of racism in our police force, or unconscious bias if you like, she said this. Look, I think we can refute any claims of there not being uh, racism in the New Zealand police with their own data. Now, rates of arrest, imprisonment and instances of people harmed by police are all disproportionately high for Māori and Pacific people. And that's not disputed. And on Three's Māori current affairs show The Hui last weekend, the police minister was grilled about the difference between racism and unconscious bias and whether there really was an important difference. The same day in the Sunday Star Times, Green co-leader Marama Davidson said tensions had escalated in the areas covered by the police armed response teams during that trial. As a mother of two Māori boys living in one of those areas, she said, I can attest to that tension firsthand. And she added that grief over George Floyd in the US here should now be channelled into opposing arms for our police. And on TBNZ's Q&A show the next day, New Zealand First MP Shane Jones backed the police, but pointed to the infamous Operation 8 raids on Tuhoi back in 2008 as a significant balls-up, as he put it, that's eroded trust in police nationwide, especially among Māori. But the controversial trial of the armed response teams is a more specific issue and we haven't always had many specifics about it in media reports. The trials were launched last year in counties Manukau, Waikato and Canterbury and all wrapped up six months later, last April. And they were then supposed to be evaluated by a special data analysis team with the report due later this month. But the media haven't waited for that to outline those flaws that TBNZ News referred to earlier. On June the 5th, for example, they led morning report like this. And to our top local story this morning, police on armed response teams failed to record their call-outs properly on almost every occasion during the trial's first two months. Officers were expected to record each call-out, but after the first two months, data from five out of every six call-outs was missing. In late May, RNZ's checkpoint revealed rushed decision-making and inadequate consultation, especially with Māori, and those are serious flaws in the light of the police's treaty obligations. And three days later, the News Hub Nation show on three revealed that the ARTs actually did mainly routine stuff like traffic stops, bail checks and attending accidents. Figures obtained by News Hub Nation show for the first three months they were busy doing the work of normal police. One of the concerns when these teams were introduced was that they would uh, be an introduction of armed units into routine policing by stealth and looking at the data that's emerged, those fears seem to be realised. That was the voice of Tim McKinnell, former South Auckland police detective turned investigator and campaigner and in a piece for the online Māori current affairs website Etangata headlined Arms and Race, he called the armed response team trials opportunism and an egregious example of policing by decree rather than consent and he said we should all pay attention to what's happening in the US and ensure we don't go down the same path. Last weekend, Tim McKinnell was a guest on The Nation, saying that the police trials were fundamentally flawed, and his fellow panellist and ART opponent, Kylie Quince, said they were dead in the water anyway. The new police commissioner seems to be pretty firm on um, saying that this this doesn't look like it's going to be necessary, really. Um, So we've got some political support, police support, and, and quite a clear message from the community. And two days later, Kylie Quince was proved right. The Greens' Golriz Garaman tweeted, We won, and communities are safer as a result, she said. But on The Nation last weekend, Tova O'Brien asked Tim McKinnell this. 
Māori wardens in South Auckland have said that some elderly actually feel safer with armed police. Uh, so how do you balance that with the risks? Well, I, th I think you need to look at the evidence. The police have indicated that they're going to conduct surveys. Let's have a look and see what they say. Um, I think there'll be a differentiation between different communities who feel safer with armed police and who doesn't. But, you know, it, there is no doubt uh, in terms of the evidence that Māori and Pacifica communities are over-policed in this country. The president of the Police Association, Chris Carhill, subsequently told Stuff that the Green Party MPs had ignored the proliferation of illegal weapons in homes, in vehicles, in robberies and in gang warfare. Not only were firearms attacks on police officers at an all-time high, he said, in the past three years there were eight fatal shootings in counties Manukau alone, and that's one of the communities where the Green MPs had claimed the armed response teams would have had a negative effect. On Morning Report on Wednesday, Kim Hill put that to Auckland councillor for the Monaco Ward, FSO Collins, like this. Doesn't it come down to something as simple as this? Bad people have guns sometimes and we want a police force to be able to deal with them promptly. And those bad people aren't all in South Auckland? No, nobody's saying they are. But if you've got armed response teams, they can be professionally trained to deal with bad people with guns wherever they are. Well, the armed response teams were, were issued, were released, and they were exemplified here in South Auckland. So there's already a poor message there. Now, alarm about the prospect of routinely armed officers patrolling areas deemed to be highest risk is understandable, especially for Māori and Pacifica people in those areas, statistically far more likely to encounter those armed officers. On Wednesday, preliminary data released by the police revealed that Māori made up more than 50% of arrests and uses of force by the armed response teams during the trial. But in mid-May, RNZ obtained some interesting figures under the Official Information Act. The last two years had the highest rates of gun crime and deaths involving firearms for nearly 10 years. But despite that rise, there hasn't been a corresponding increase in officers taking out or using their guns. That story was the work of police reporter Ben Strang, who discovered that an increase in firearms offences had not apparently led to an increase in police presenting firearms themselves. In the face of increased firearms use, police data shows officers aren't doing the same. Now those who fear that armed police teams routinely on the roads wouldn't make our communities any safer may well be right. But facts like that were missing from condemnations of the armed response team trials in the media, made at a time when fears and anger about it were heightened because of what was in the news from the US. Chester Burrows is a former policeman who, as a young officer, won a medal for confronting an armed murderer. Later, he became an Associate Minister of Justice in the National League Government. He was also the chair of Te Uepu Hapai e Te Ora, the Safe and Effective Justice Advisory Group, which was tasked last year with helping reform New Zealand's criminal justice system. Did he think that strong opposition to the armed response teams, expressed in the media lately, played a role in the decision to scrap them? I think it's probably prompted the early decision. I'm not sure whether it would have affected the decision had more time been given to it. You know, what media profile does is it animates others, and he would have had some fairly clear responses from those people around the country, uh, whether it be members of the public, activists, journalists, but also members of parliament and cabinet as to their responses. And so that may have affected his timing. Chris Carhill, the um, Police Association representative, he's been saying comparisons with the US 
uh, being made in the media are unfair, even insulting to our police officers, you know, and it's a good point, isn't it? Our cops have completely different oversight. They're one unitary force, unlike the US, where there's just this whole range of different forces. And our police officers, you know, can't be compared necessarily with what's going on in the US. Members of the public and um, people like myself being interested observers could see that it's almost on a continuum. If you start off with ARTs, you're going to end up in the same place unless you're careful. So the point you make about um, you know one force as opposed to the United States, which has got about 3,000 different police forces in it, is quite right. But that if the public loses confidence, then the ability for the police to be able to do their job is greatly constrained. So I think, whereas Chris um, Cahill makes a point, very recently, you know, the former president of the Police Association, now MP for Oharu in the government, said that the Police Association's stance was they were all for police carrying firearms all the time. What about, though, the insistence that we are operating under a bit of a changed environment now, and that was one of the reasons for the armed response team trial in the first place. Increased encounters with firearms in recent years, and yet uh, police actually drawing weapons less often, which is an interesting point, hardly mentioned. Do you think the media's failed to paint an accurate picture of the environment within which the decision to deploy these armed response team trials in the first place was made? I think there's been quite a definite skew in reporting around the ARTs. We've had a whole lot of comment of those who are uh, against that's had its effect. There's, there, there's stuff there that needs more investigation, and, and it's quite a complex issue. And there is a community understanding around the greater threats that exist these days, and methamphetamine is the obvious one, and a growth in family violence is another, and those two are quite well interlinked. But methamphetamine and firearms go together. So I think New Zealanders understand that the threats are greater against the police and against each other than they've been before, and we need to be able to combat that. Nobody's saying that the police shouldn't be armed, but they don't want to see a country where police are walking around with firearms on their hips in full view all the time as a matter of course. By the same token, as we understand it, there are uh, weapons carried in police cars, all, all locked, up, locked up and, of course, not on the hips of, of the officers. C- couldn't it be if we had armed response teams, you would have dedicated, uh, highly trained people responding to incidents where weapons need to be drawn? And actually, that would mean fewer officers who are less prepared in general patrol vehicles drawing weapons that, that people don't want to see. But I haven't seen that angle explored much in the media reporting. Well, no, I think that's quite right. But there's safety and then there's the perception of safety. People are large, in New Zealand are largely ignorant of the fact that you know, a large proportion of the police they see driving past them every day on the way to the shops have got a firearm in that police car and available for use almost immediately. But they don't want to talk about that either. They they rest in the in the sort of comfort of thinking that their, their police services are unarmed. The problem with um, ARTs is that they, they were placed in certain neighbourhoods, low decile, and um, the police would say they were where they needed, but they happened to coincide with those families who have been described as, as over-policed. They would tend to be used against a certain demographic of our community in any event. And then there is the um, enhanced tooling up of that maybe criminal sector of the community who would see it almost by way of protection. If the firearms are there and available for use, people stop talking and start using. 
frequently the police didn't have to stop and negotiate because they could quickly overpower with the use of pepper spray or tasers. Now, then if you get to firearms are at easy access, would the escalation move to firearms as well as shoot first and ask questions later? And we know that the target of that shooting first would largely be Marion Pacific people. Sure, but while that view has been expressed by a lot of people and a lot of media comment pieces and appearances, do you think, by and large, this past week, while this issue has been so elevated in our media, that it's it's been a balanced treatment? No, I don't think it has been balanced, and uh, that hasn't bothered me too much because it's been unfavourably balanced in favour of my argument, and that's the way most of us view media reporting. We haven't heard a lot of voice about those who are in favour of ARTs. Unfortunately, as soon as some air is given to that side of the argument, the nut bars would come out and, and start using all the rhetoric, not applying data and logic to their argument, um, and, and they would and the voices of, of reason even though they have a different point of view, like Chris Carter, will be drowned out. After the announcement by Andrew Costa, he then made a comment about less lethal uh, options such as the sponge bullets. Uh, That then became the lead story on Thursday morning, for example, on Morning Report. He's interviewed again about what exactly these are. Uh, Really intense scrutiny on this. Is it actually a good thing in the end that the police choices and options on this have been aired and the guy at the top of the force has had to come out and answer those questions? We live in a country where everyone has a strong desire to know. Uh, good on Andy Costa for coming out and, and making that plain. Whether he was forced into a position or really, whether he would have done it, I like to think he probably would have been pretty open about it in any event because that's the way he seems to have maintained his first month or so in office. You know, it doesn't. it's not going to take away the fears that the targets and the recipients of uh, rubber bullets or sponge bullets or whatever they are are going to be the same people. Uh, it may not be lethal force, but it's still going to be directed at the same people and the injuries are going to be the same. That was Chester Burrows, a former policeman and a former Associate Minister of Justice and Chair of the Safe and Effective Justice Advisory Group, Te Uepu Hapai Iteora.